Every divorce has its unique challenges. Having helped people in many different high-conflict divorces, I know that when children and alcohol are involved, the situation becomes even more challenging. Whether you are concerned about child safety when an ex is co-parenting, or trying to prove your sobriety for custody, finding a reliable system that you trust can be difficult. That's why I love and recommend Soberlink. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system makes it easy to document sobriety in real time, ensuring child safety and providing tangible evidence of sobriety to the court as needed. It's easy to use and has features like facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting that all work together to improve your life during this difficult time. To help those in my audience who are going through divorce with children, I've worked with Soberlink to develop five tips for divorces involving children that you can download at www.soberlink.com backslash JBD. Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. The reason that responding versus reacting is important is because when we're triggered, our toolbox looks really different than when we're calm. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but if you think about it, we we talked about aware, alert, and alarm being the three levels of the brain. And at aware, I'm in my rational brain. I've got all my problem solving tools. I've got my creativity. I'm calm. And when I start getting irritated or overwhelmed or angry or feeling shame or guilt or whatever the emotions are, I go into a more emotion-based state and my emotions start fighting with my thoughts. Welcome to JBD Team Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During Team Talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. Welcome to another episode of JBD Team Talks. Uh, We're in the midst of a series on triggers, and today is part three. We're discussing how to shift from reacting to responding when triggered. And back with me today is Diane Dempster. Thanks, Diane. Hey, Karen. Glad to be here. So 
I know you're going to share your screen for those who can see it. And for our podcast listeners, um, we're going to give us all of the details. Why don't we jump in and talk about how do you, uh, how do you shift from that reactivity to a calmer, responsive way of dealing when you're triggered? Yeah, I, know. I think it's a great question. And the, the place I would roll us back just a little bit and start with the reminder that getting triggered is that normal thing that happens. And we, we talked last time about the fact that triggers happen in the space between what we expect and what actually happens, right? It's just sort of, we want something to go a certain way and then it ends up not going that way and we get irritated, we create a story about it and all of a sudden there's trigger there. And so I'm going to, I am going to pull up my screen here um, and share it, but it, the goal here, the reason that responding versus reacting is important is because when we're triggered, our toolbox looks really different than when we're calm. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but if you think about it, we, we talked about aware, alert, and alarm being the three levels of the brain. And at aware, I'm in my rational brain. I've got all my problem-solving tools. I've got my creativity. I'm calm. And when I start getting irritated or overwhelmed or angry or feeling shame or guilt or whatever the emotions are, I go into a more emotion-based state and my emotions start fighting with my thoughts, right? It's, that's the point. If you've got a little kid who's ever, you know, you've told him like, do not, don't yell at mommy. And the part of them that knows I'm not going to yell at mommy or I'm going to get in trouble like just shuts down and they're, they're like yelling at mommy and it doesn't matter. And so it's like in that alert phase, the part of our brain that remembers, oh my gosh, this is the way I should behave. And I'm not behaving that way. And then when we're in alarm, we're in full on, we call it amygdala hijack, right? So the part of the brain that is in charge is the animal part of your brain. So I was started this with the tools you have, right? So animals have Three tools, they have fight, they have flight, and they have freeze. And so if you're completely triggered, those are your only choices. And so you're either going to be arguing and, and fighting to the death with whoever it is that's triggered you. You're going to be running away and shutting the door and avoiding the situation completely, or you're going to get stuck, right? And those are three common feelings that we notice in, in couples that are going through conflict or just individuals, when you get that real upset going, you're either like going at them or you're like, I got to get out of here or you're just stuck. So the reason that responding versus reacting becomes important is that you want, most of us need more than just fight or flight to help get us out of, to resolve a conflict. Cause we're talking about you feel this way. I feel this way. You know, it's something simple. Like you want to go out to this restaurant and I want to go out to that restaurant you never let me do what I want to do. I, you, you're the one that always wins. All of a sudden we're in the hot mess versus, okay, you know what? We just have to figure out where we're going to go to dinner tonight. So again, the goal here is to get back into aware so that you can problem solve and resolve the conflict that at hand. Absolutely. And those stories, especially when you're dealing with divorce and all of these very big decisions, it's like they come flying at you. Um, and so it'd be really interesting to see how we can help people shift. Right, right. Well, and I, and I was on the phone with a client today and he was really worked up about some of the behaviors that, of his soon-to-be ex 
to the point where he just couldn't even see straight. He couldn't see what to do. He couldn't figure out what actions to take. And he was just literally paralyzed by this behavior. And it's, if you can get out of that, that trigger, if you can get back to, okay, wait, this is my reality. This is what's going on. You can unravel it and figure out what, what is the, the, you know, the next best thing to do. What's the, what's another step that you can take to move the situation forward. And it's really hard to do that when you're triggered. So, um, so what to do, right? So this sort of, it's how do you avoid, you know, it's just sort of, if we've got um, react on one end and we've got reclaim and problem solve on the other, how, how do you avoid one? And the you other? avoid and the hijack. How right? do you avoid the hijack? Right. So um, one of the things we talked about last time was the story, right. And being able to pay attention to and know the story that happens and that's part of it. But I'm gonna talk about a four-step process that we use and we, we call it escaping the stress cycle. And, and I use the word stress here because when you're triggered, the biggest impact when you're triggered is that it causes stress to your body. It's not about what it does. I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, it's it's unhealthy to many relationships if you've got one person who's yelling all the time or, or upset all the time. And more of more than external, it's the internal impact of being triggered. It just really wears on your body and, and your mind and your heart and all of those things that we want to try to avoid and, and manage through. So I'm going to teach four steps. The first one is recognize the threat. The second one I'm calling reclaim your brain. The third one is choosing a new perspective. And the fourth one is redirecting your action. Yeah. So I'm going to jump in with a, is that okay, Karen? Am I jump yeah. in? Okay, great. So the first one is just recognizing the triggers. And this is what we've been talking about in the last two episodes. Where do you feel it in your body? What are the things that tend to trigger you? How do you know when you're starting to get upset? So it's that sort of being aware of the fact that a trigger is even happening or that you're entering a situation where a trigger is likely to be happening, right? And that's the one of the things you were talking about, uh, responding versus reacting. If you know that your spouse tends to trigger you, doing some of these things in preparation for even seeing them or being in their presence or opening an email. I remember I used to do this. I'd have to I'd get a text from my, my ex and I'd have to take a deep breath before I read the text because it was this sort of I needed to, I knew it was a potentially triggering situation for me. And so I would recognize that ahead of time and then take the other steps. So that's the first step is to know enough about your own triggers or your partner's triggers or, or whoever's triggers it is that you're dealing with. The second step is reclaiming the brain. And this looks different for different people. This may be a deep breath. This may be a time out. This may be uh, going for a run. This may be, you know, there, there's all kinds of things here. The one you were just before this, you went and got a glass of water. Water is a great reclaim the brain tool. And the reason is that is the biology behind it because water actually calms the amygdala. There's something, I think it's like if the animal in your brain thinks that it's at the watering hole and says, all is well, I'm fine. Everything is fine. I don't have to worry about anything. And so that's a great way to cool down that animal part of your brain is to take a sip of water. So I'm gonna do that's that. That's great. That's a great tip. That's a quick and easy one for someone who's like, I, you know, I, I don't meditate and I don't run. It's like just getting a glass of water and taking a couple of sips. That's beautiful. Well, and I have clients who walk around with water bottles all day. 
right? It's sort of because they're in, if they're in potentially triggering situations, if you're constantly taking sips of water, you're going to keep that brain cooler, which is going to make it less likely for it to, the, the trigger to hijack you. You were talking about the difference between having an irritated situation and letting that situation right. hijack you. And that's really the distinction. The other thing, so uh, again, meditation, all of these things work well and there are things that you do not necessarily in the moment that you're triggered, but outside of the moment that you tr- you're triggered so that in the moment of a trigger, you can utilize that tool. It's just that sort of, you have more control over your brain. And that's kind of why the science of meditation and things like that tend to work. Absolutely. So that's it. So reclaiming the brain. Karen, do you have a favorite one that you use when you need to calm down? I actually, yeah, I would say that I take a time out and I give myself a few minutes to breathe. And for me, uh, it just it just shifts me out of my story. It shifts me into a calm place. And it's something I've actually taught my children too, is you're always allowed to ask for a timeout, no matter how triggered you are. And it's really, I think it's worked well for us in terms of a parent-child relationship too. Well, and my daughter, I think I've told you this before, my daughter and I had a code word that we used and her code word was burrito. So whenever she'd say burrito, that was my signal that she was triggered and I needed to stop whatever we were doing and, and try to, you know, try to hold my breath and not, you know, pursue the conversation any further so that she could reclaim her brain and get back down to a place where we could problem solve. Calming the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to divorcerecoverylifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. I'm going to take a little detour, Karen, here and go back to this model. So we were talking about reclaiming the brain, but there's this reaction button up here at the top. Go back here. At the very top, if you if you get hijacked by the story, you react. And it's important to know that if you react, if you're in that full-on trigger place, there's emotional energy built up, which is why we yell, right? It's just sort of, we don't yell um, for... for for much of any other reason other than our body needs to release all the emotional energy that's built up from the feeling we get from the story we tell from the trigger. Wait, did I say, I said that right, right? So it's the emotional energy from the feeling we get from the story we tell, right? So it's not about the person who said this. It's really about how we feel about the story we tell, how we feel about the story, and then how we react to the story. And in oh, this, chart- and can you just say, I think that, that that was such a key part, like that, that reacting to the story. So the situation is the situation. The difference between reclaiming and reacting is the story, because if you're, if you're hijacked by the story, you're heading right into full-fledged reaction, correct? Right, right. And it's not, and it's not. And this is the tricky part. It's not the per- what the person did. It's your story about what the person did that triggered you. 
You know, it's like, I never forget a funny story. I remember really distinctly. I was my high school boyfriend and he came over one night and he's like, Oh my gosh, your dad is so mad at me. He's like, I don't know what we did, but we are in such trouble. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're going to get like, your dad's going to say something. I'm like, what in the world? And so my dad came home and I'm like, Hey dad, how you doing? And, and it was like nothing. And I, and what I figured out was that my dad has like, what do they call it? Resting rest. Can I say resting bitch face on this podcast? I, uh, yeah. I can, right. <laughs> so my dad had resting bitch face. Right. And so the, that my boyfriend saw him and my dad was just grimacing or just kind of doing his thing when he was driving his car. And he thought for sure that it was directed at him and it created this, all this drama because of what he saw. My So it was his reaction, his story about my dad's face that caused the reaction. So right. just pay attention to the fact, the fact that part of it, most of this is about us and not about them. Yeah. And if you could go back just to that first slide, because um, I believe your word was recognize. And so often when we talk to our clients, like step one is awareness. And you're really highlighting that being aware of your reaction, being aware of your triggers, being aware of your spouse or ex's triggers, like just that level of awareness, raising that level of awareness is a key piece to being able to go through the cycle. And, yeah. and just as a practice that people can do is, is notice to, to slow it down. I was talking to a client this morning who's very frenetic and chaotic. And I said, slow it down so that you have an opportunity to notice, to begin to recognize. Yeah. Yeah. So where I was going with this was that if you go into full on trigger, there's an extra step here and I call it recovery, right? Mm. It's just sort of this emotional energy needs to go somewhere. You might need to go for a run. You might need to yell in a pillow. You might need a good night's sleep before you can get to the place where you reclaim your brain because there's so much emotional energy built up. So pay attention. It's, I can't tell you, um, how many people it's like, okay, I'm calm. And they want to go right back into the argument again, but it's the other person's not calm enough yet. Right. It's just sort of, you got to make sure that everybody's not that I call it fake calm. You don't want to be in fake calm. You want to be in real calm so that you can solve the problem. Because if you're just kind of holding on and okay, I'm not yelling anymore. I'm, I'm okay. We can finish this conversation you're still going to be likely to get triggered and, and react much more frequently if you're in that kind of heightened state. So, so the question becomes, what do you need to get to get to recovery, to real calm? And even if you're there, can you be aware of whether or not the person that you're engaged in this trigger with, if they're there and right. So again, we're back to awareness because if one person's calm and the other one isn't, chances are we're going right back up to that reactivity with one. Or well, and I, I laugh because I, you know, I, I work a lot with parents who have kids and, that get triggered and they, they, one gets triggered and it triggers the other one. And I talk about the hot mess because everything ends up in a hot mess. Right. Well, one of the things that I watch happen is that if your trigger is flight, like I got to get out of here. And their trigger is fight and they're in control mode. It's like you have one person that's chasing the other one around the house, trying to finish the argument because they're both triggered. And they're like, no, wait, I got to recognize that you're triggered and that I'm triggered. 
And sometimes it takes being, it takes being the grown up. I mean, and I know a lot of spouses are kind of tired of having to be the one that always has to calm down. And sometimes you got to be the one that has to calm down. And I think the other thing it takes is setting boundaries. So if if you're ready and the other person isn't to have that self-control, and if if the other person's ready and you're not, um, rather than just engaging because you don't want to upset him or her further, is actually being able to set that boundary and, and um, take the space that you need so that yeah. it's actually a productive conversation. Yeah. So the third step is about creating a new story. It's a sort of, I always say, if you're going to create a story, create one that makes you feel good. Mm. So the story is what got you hijacked. The thing you told, it's like, oh, he, and, and instead of the situation is he forgot to pick up my laundry at the dry cleaner. The story is he doesn't care. He always does his own stuff. He's inconsiderate, he's selfish, he's whatever else, right? It's a sort of, that's my story and that's a story that hijacks me. If I can create a new story that says, even though he forgot to pick up my laundry at the dry cleaner, I'm willing to consider that he wanted to and that he just had a hard time remembering. And and just to make something maybe a little bit more, um, just in terms of, you know, there are so many stories going through divorce about mm-hmm. you know, picking up the kids late, um, talking to the attorney about, you know, the finances, like things that are really big. And and even there, I guarantee you, if you think about it, you'll be able to see that. And we talk about separating the facts from the fiction. You'll be able to see that, yes, there's a negotiation that's making you feel uncomfortable still your story around why he or she is doing that is going to be the piece that slays you. So, so Diane's talking about dry cleaning and I can, I can already hear people go, yeah, no, this is so much more critical, no matter how critical it is, whether it's custody, whether it's negotiating finances, whether it's who's going to move out of the house or how are you going to live under the same roof together? It's always what what you fill in that you don't know the why the reasoning of the other person that is going to be the part that's most triggering and that's what you can reclaim that's where you can say uh she's late picking up the kids she's not doing this to me she's actually always been late through our you know through our marriage or or he's as frightened as i am about finances and so we're both kind of trying to protect ourselves and you can shift it to something that allows you to dial down well and the other piece that is a shift that you always that i want to suggest you always have in your toolbox which is my story is that no matter what's going on around me, I'm going to be able to handle it better if I'm calm, mm. right? It's this sort of no matter what's going on, my story is that I can handle it better if I'm calm. And so that's that fierce commitment to reclaiming your brain as a way to really resolve the problem you're facing instead of reacting to the problem you're facing. Beautifully put. And then the last one is Step four, if you've got that new thought, you can do something different. If my thought is he only cares about him and his money and he doesn't, he's, 
you know, he's trying to make me miserable and, and all of these things, I'm not going to be able to take action consciously to um, protect my assets because I'm going to be triggered. Your ability to protect your assets in that situation are going to be very different if you're calm than if you're in fight or flight. Yeah, one is going to pour gasoline on the fire and everyone's going to get burned. And the other one is stepping back and being able to engage in a way where perhaps you can hear each other. Um, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So four steps. You go back and show the slide again. Recognize the threat. The rest, recognize the trigger. Reclaim your brain. Choose a new thought, new perspective, and, and redirect your action based on that new thought. And so as, as we wrap this one up, if, uh, if you, one, one baby step would be to really uh, start paying attention and raise your awareness to, um, to when you feel that wave of emotion when you, so that you understand what your triggers are and, and the person that you're engaging with. And just that awareness is going to um, move you in the right direction. Well, and the other thing I would challenge everybody to do is to come up with two to five things that you can do that actually do help you to calm down, right? It's just sort of, if you have your list, I know that it's the deep breaths, it's the sips of water, it's the, I gotta, I gotta get out of here for a few minutes. It's, I, I need to go outside and take my shoes off and feel my feet in the grass. I mean, there's all kinds of cool things that you can do to help reground yourself once you're in that accelerated place. But if you have a toolbox, instead of just one thing that you do, that, that you're more likely to be able to find ways to access them more effectively um, when you need them. Absolutely. So our fourth segment uh, on the triggers is after the trigger, what to do when everyone's calm. So stay tuned for our next episode of JBD Team Talks. We'll be back with you soon. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one -on -one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.